Inside the Adventure Season 1, Episode 1 with Joe Jacoby. If you've ever been afraid to step outside your comfort zone, then you're in the right place. Inside the Adventure features incredible athletes and everyday people sharing their epic stories of pushing life to its limits. Get ready to be inspired, face your fears, and take action with your host, Marshall Mosier. How's it going, everyone? This is your host, Marshall Mosher, and thank you so much for joining us today on our very first episode of Inside the Adventure, which I couldn't be more thrilled to share with a great friend and mentor of mine, Joe Jacoby. How are you doing today, Joe? It's great to be here, Marshall. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's, it's really great to have you, and I'm, I'm really thrilled uh, that the audience is really in for a treat to, uh, to hear from you and uh, hear some awesome stories. So uh, before I get into it, I usually like to go over a quick background so everyone uh, can get to know our guests. Um, so to tell you a little bit more about our guest, uh, Joe, today, uh, Joe's known for many incredible things as a two-time Olympian with an Olympic gold medal in the 1992 Barcelona Olympics C2 slalom event, has competed in 20 different countries, winning the Whitewater National Championships in Australia, the Czech Republic, Costa Rica, Chile, and the U.S., has served as the board of directors and CEO for U.S. Kayak Canoe, leads the marketing efforts for the Nantahala Outdoor Center, the largest outfitter in the southeast United States, and serves as a professional speaker, author, leadership coach, teacher, and uh, mentor, instructing people on how to use a framework to improve performance, build stronger habits, increase self-awareness, and make more positive choices. Uh, what haven't you done, Joe? These are I was going to say that that makes me tired just listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but we I think we've worked that out today. We're we're pretty relaxed right now, sitting just a few feet from the Chattahoochee River, and it is kind of a. You know, it's funny, that, that bio just kind of float, drifts away, floats away right now. I mean, to me, this is what makes Atlanta, this city, so great, is this amazing river and the resource it provides. And it's just good to be having a conversation next to the river on a, uh, on a, on a summer day. Thanks, Joe. Well, that's uh, one of the things that I've appreciated the most about you during our, uh, our interactions um, throughout the past uh, six months and the past year, just the fact that you're incredibly humble um, and have a sense of humility that is really unrivaled that I don't see in many people. Um, so all of this stuff that I just read out about Joe, even though I've known Joe for a little while, uh, I actually had to look all that up on LinkedIn and uh, Wikipedia because he would never brag about it or tell me himself. Uh, so I really appreciate that humility that you have. I'm happy that there are so many positive things out there about me on the Internet. I, you, you clearly didn't go deep, uh, very, very deep. The America's Most Wanted part, not well, I'm so I'm hoping much, to get right? some of the better stories uh, today on the podcast right, that well, maybe you can't find on, on the Internet. Let's get into it. I'm awesome. ready. Yeah. Cool. Well, I know uh, you've done some amazing things and some really incredible accomplishments, but I always like to go back to the beginning and uh, share with our guests where it all started. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the young Joe Jacoby when you were a kid paddling on the Potomac River and how you really got into a lifestyle of outdoor recreation. Yeah, I, you know, I really, I kind of look at my, my childhood in sort of a Malcolm Gladwell lens um, and these fortuitous circumstances that I had no control of, like, 
where I was born, when I was born. But when you think about the timing and place for me, you know, as a young paddler growing up very close to the Potomac River at a time when the United States was just dominating the whitewater slalom canoe racing scene. And this is at a time when canoeing wasn't an Olympic sport. And, you know, the, the, the best athletes in the world, the legendary coach of the sport was living right there. And they, the legendary coach, uh, just, he felt like there needed some new blood and their recruiting efforts yielded me. And I should say that should not like, uh, that should not be like a positive thought to anyone like there, I was not a particularly athletic person. I was, I was not very big. I mean, I was overweight. I mean, I just wanted to be on the water. That's right. the main thing. I wanted to be on the water and I really liked the people that had given me the opportunity to paddle with them. And I was 12 years old. I equated, it would have been a little bit like going, being 12 years old and going to play basketball every day with LeBron James and Kevin Durant and Kobe Bryant and being coached by Phil Jackson. Wow, that'll really make a big difference. It, it assuming they keep you around, but like for those <laughs> from their perspective, like why would they want me around? I mean, you know, they were all I really did for the first five years was just get my butt kicked. Right? All the time. How did you feel uh, during that time? Well, I just that's the thing though. I love the people. I just love showing up. I love being there and. It was really cool. Even my mom saw just she was so happy that I had found my way into this group that had such positive values on competition. They had such um, a healthy outlook on the way you try to get a little bit better every day because that matters, just trying to get a little bit better every day. And I would say the biggest thing for me coming, you know, out of that on a day-to-day level is that I kind of went from seeing these guys as the champions they are to just being the people they are. Mm-hmm. And the then you really form the commonality at that point. It, and more importantly than that idea of trying to be the best in the world of, at something, that was much further down the line. The first thing was just how lucky we were. Like literally every morning, thousands of car commuters passing by us on the Clara Barton Parkway, thousands on the way to these jobs in Washington, D.C., I'm guessing many of whom like didn't really like their jobs. And at that hour at 6 a.m. on a winter January morning, like we're running across that parkway with canoes on our shoulder and our bare feet and it's freezing cold and we put our boats on the water and on the Potomac River, and it is just like you're removed from all the, the nuttiness of, of and the drive of Washington, D.C. And now we're really, we created our own drive, our own environment within nature, within the outdoors of just trying to better ourselves, compete in a healthy way, in a very transparent way against each other. So... It was an incredible childhood. I mean, and by the story I tell is that on the day that my canoe partner and I won the Olympics in 1992, which was just almost 10 years to the day since I started getting involved, since I got involved with that group of athletes on the Potomac River, every one of those athletes who were at the very first workout I did 10 years earlier 
was either now my Olympic teammate or had retired and become one of my coaches. So the way I sort of explain it to people is that I just kind of fell, almost tripped into this culture of excellence that was born around the Potomac River. So it was an incredible way to grow up and great, great role models and mentors who became friends and teammates. That's a really amazing story. It, it's great to have such a close group of friends that are also um, so close in being teammates and mentors uh, and peers to help push you even further. But uh, do you think that having that uh, that network to train with, live with, and um, support you was a, a really big factor in, in how you grew up in your childhood and getting you um, to the passions you have today? Well, you know, one of, it's interesting is I travel around and in, I do a, a lot of media and a lot of interviews on behalf of the Nanahale Outdoor Center and people, it, it's hard to get around that, that point of 23 Olympians having come from the Nanahale Outdoor Center. So I eventually left the Potomac River and migrated uh, down towards NOC. But the only reason I bring that up is because the, the kind of questions you get, people are always enamored like, you know, where does that magic pill come from? Like, what, what is that magic bullet? Like, how do you do that? Whether it's the Potomac River in Washington, D.C., or it's the Nanahale Outdoor Center. And, like, do you guys train kids to be Olympic champions? And the question is absolutely not. What you do is that you introduce, in a really healthy way, young people and families and groups and individuals to the outdoors. You serve the outdoors. You allow a very natural, lifelong connection with the outdoors and with people who love the outdoors to just naturally form. So I talk a lot about this young athlete who we support, Michal Smolin. Michal is 22 years old. He's America's top candidate for, to win an Olympic medal um, at the 2016 Olympic Games in Rio de Janeiro. He is our 23rd Olympian. And Mihal learned to paddle at NOC when he was just nine years old. But when he was nine, he just was doing nine-year-old boy kind of stuff, like playing in the creek with his friends, skipping rocks and building dams in the creek and just being a regular kid in the outdoors. And I'm telling you, three, four, five years later, as he improved in his technique and just learned the fundamentals of kayaking, what he really took with him were those networks and those fundamentals and that love for the outdoors. So you get that first. It's not about like, could you be an Olympic champion? Like to me, that's not the draw. The draw is outdoors and the connection with nature first. And then the other stuff kind of works its way out. Whether you use the outdoors just to get a little healthier, you use the outdoors to improve your relationships you use the outdoors to unplug, or maybe you use the outdoors to pursue an Olympic dream. All of it's possible. You don't really have to just choose one. It's like it all happens. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's so, so true. And a big part of what we do is really try to encourage uh, accessibility to the outdoors and get people the opportunity to get out and get started when they have that, uh, that passion, that love for the outdoors, uh, but don't necessarily know how to get started. So how would you recommend people uh, go about finding that, that first step into uh, learning how to kayak or right. any other outdoor sport if they know they have the passion, um, the drive is there, but they just don't know what to do next? So 
This is a really interesting question. Like, Marshall, you're a kayaker, and we could sit here and we could tell people how easy it is to learn to kayak. It it's not the easiest sport to learn, right? It's challenging. It, it's a steep learning curve to it. And instruction matters. Coaching matters, right? And that's where Vestigo comes in. That's where Nanahill Outdoor Center comes in. So, and what you get from that is not only do you get the fundamentals and the basics so that you can go out and enjoy, but you also get community with it. You meet people. You uh, you know, we, you and I were just having a conversation with a friend that you met it says, Oh, I really need to, she said to us, I need to go buy a kayak because she lives right here on the Chattahoochee river. And we both talked about how this is that kind of sport where you don't have to buy it first. It is so easy to try it first, see how you like it, learn the fundamentals, there are so many different kinds of boats. There could be four or five decent boats for an, a certain person and 20 that are the wrong bo- boats for a certain person. So that is what you get from this. But I would actually even, let's even, people might say, well, that kayaking thing is still a little bit scary. You know, let's back up even a little bit more. I think the real opportunity for a Vestigo, for a Nanahill Outdoor Center, for just Marshall and Joe is I think we are in a good position the way we travel and the way we've seen the Southeast is just to remind people of the outdoor resources they have right outside their back door. And do you use them? I mean, you might live in Atlanta and the mountains look great, but let me tell you just about my last few hours here in Atlanta, in the city of Atlanta. We are staying with a friend in in downtown. I went for a run this morning. I made my way onto that Beltline Trail. I actually ran on the Decatur uh, Stone Mountain Trail for a little while, then went and picked up the uh, the Beltline right by the, the Jimmy Carter Center and ran up to Piedmont Park. Mind-blowing just how many people are out there using the resources, getting outside before work, walking the dog, going for a run, just drinking a cup of coffee, just something to engage with nature. And here we are sitting next to the river, literally on a great hiking trail. So I think in Atlanta now, there are incredible uh, precursors to even getting on the water that you can just do. It's just sometimes it takes people like us just to remind people, no matter where you live, you've got parks, you've got trails, you've got creeks. If you live in the southeast, which is a big focus for us and, and, our, and our lifestyles and our network and communities, you've got resources close. I mean, I've spent all of last week down at the South Carolina and Georgia coast, and you cannot get away from the idea that part of what makes the quality of life so good in Charleston, South Carolina right now is its proximity to places like Asheville. You don't. You talk to five people on the street, and they all say the same thing. And honestly, when you go to Char- if you're trying to talk to people who want to engage in the mountains more, and you go to Charleston, they'll tell you you missed most of them because they've already moved up to the mountains for the summer. Like that's what they do there. So it is just the first thing is just reminding people of these amazing, easy to access resources that exist right outside your front door. You don't need special shoes. You don't need special clothes. You don't need anything except just that that gene of taking action 
and getting out and going for a walk on the Beltline or the Stone Mountain Trail. Just going for a walk and just seeing what is happening in Atlanta. It's mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Absolutely. Yeah, usually it's just uh, taking that first initial step and just saying, hey, I'm going to go out and do this. Uh, that makes all the difference. I know so many people will um, will kind of outline all the hurdles that are involved, but it really just is a matter of going outside and, and taking that first step and and uh, realizing the uh, the benefit and what it's like for yourself. Um, so I, that brings me to another question I wanted to ask you. I know a lot of people uh, have that uh, strong desire to uh, live a little bit more of an outdoors lifestyle with uh, outdoor recreation and travel as a focus, but, uh, but are really busy. And of course, um, the hectic nature of everyday life um, always seems to come first with our priorities. Uh, but what would you respond uh, and what, what are your thoughts on uh, when people say, well, I would love to get into that. I just don't have time. And what are the benefits of making sure that you make time to get outside and, and take that uh, break from, from the everyday life? So I have a little bit of a different take on the I don't have time uh, response. And, and honestly, I, what I'm about to talk about, getting outdoors comes with it, but it's not usually co- where I start. So I do a lot of performance coaching and performance consulting with individuals and with businesses. And I use my 40 years of whitewater concept strategies and ideas as a CEO, an athlete and a coach to help people live and perform better. And I get the, I don't have time piece a lot. So one of the big things for me, here's, this is basically my story. For five years, I was the chief executive officer of USA Canoe Kayak. I, I really enjoyed working for the job. I was so enthusiastic when I took the job. It was such an honor to serve the sport. So USA Canoe Kayak is the national governing body for competitive kayaking in the United States. Member of the United States Olympic Committee. Member of the International Canoe Federation. The way I like to say it, if you see any kind of canoeing or kayaking in the Olympic Games, the Paralympic Games... Uh, or world championships, world cup racing. Those are our athletes. And we're just trying to support those athletes and trying to expose more kids to competitive paddle sports. And in the process of being the CEO, like I lost my own way with my own health. I put on a lot of weight. I made a lot of bad choices, you know, with my food, with uh, my sleeping, um, just with my technology, like, like I'm embarrassed like how I like would go to sleep at night with like falling asleep with a TV on, a computer on the bed, a cell phone right next to me and yeah, I would have a just a terrible night's sleep and then I would wake up and just the first thing I would do is turn on the TV and start checking email. And so my feeling about the not ha- I don't have time response is, is that if if I need to be able to help people just start with five minutes a day in the morning. So I, I always ask people when I speak to audiences, and my first question is, do you have the ability to wake up five minutes earlier tomorrow than you did today? Like, that's all I'm asking. I'm not going to make any judgments about what you did the night before, where, you know, what you did, you know, what's going on at work, but just can you wake up five minutes earlier? And then with those five minutes, I, I just... I just make a couple of suggestions. Don't turn on any technology, no no technology, but wake up, drink a glass of water, get a paper and pencil out, and answer three questions. Uh, the first question is, what's my outlook for the day? 
And here, it's not about a schedule of things that you're going to do, but it is the things you want to be attentive to and what your intentions are for the day. So attention, uh, attentive, what am I attentive to and what am I intending to do with my day? The second question is, what are the focus of my relationships? And again, it's my way of checking in with all the people that I'm going to, that I plan to interact with during the day, just so that I'm giving them some space and energy. So like I wrote your name down this morning when, when I did this in, in my own journal. And then the third thing I do is what am I grateful for? And, you know, gratitude, you can write maybe three things you're grateful for, one thing you're grateful for, and five reasons why. It's just getting yourself in the habit of doing this every day. And it's just a start. These days, my morning routine extends between 60 and 90 minutes uh, a day. But five minutes with no expectations of doing anything and the, the thing is, is that what I'm so big on, what will change the I don't have time response is when you wake up for yourself, not for someone else and not for something else, you will begin that path of self-investment. And once you start in self-investment, believe me, you may be a few days, a few weeks, maybe a few months at most from really finding the larger chunks of time to get outdoors and disconnect. And that's it for me. I mean, if people want to just take that and just say, listen to this and say, I need to go for a hike this Saturday, that's awesome. But if you really kind of want to make it stick, I'm on the five minute, get up five minutes earlier tomorrow than you did today, the water and answer those three questions. And like you're on your way because now you wake up tomorrow investing in you not in someone else or something else. And then that's the key for me. Absolutely. That's so true. It's it's not so much about, do I have time for this? And uh, can I fit this in my schedule? But it's, is this a priority? And can I make time for this? Uh, and those baby steps of making sure that you fit it into your schedule and that it is a priority and uh, taking a small step each day towards that goal that you have uh, makes such a difference. Uh, so for everyone listening that appreciated that advice as, as much as I do, uh, check out uh, Sunday Morning Joe, which is uh, a weekly dose of amazing advice just like Joe gave us right now, um, which really helps to, uh, to put that to practice and uh, make it an everyday part of your lifestyle. Well, th- yeah, thank you. Yeah, the, 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 the newsletter has been good for me. It's funny. It started, um, you know, in November of 2014 when I left US, my job at USA Canoe Kayak under my own volition. I mean, once I started my path to just living a little healthier, I had no idea where it was going to go. Um, it started with physical health and, and starting to lose weight, and then it turned into a whole lot of other things. It got into my mental health and then my emotional health and then my spiritual health, and I'm like, started looking at what's the end game for working in the Olympics versus coming back to this 40 year relationship that I have with moving water and with the water itself and positioning, honoring my relationship with the water to help other people perform better. And that newsletter, you know, I think when people transition jobs, no matter where you are in life, whether you're young or older, Whenever you transition out of something, you always write that first email to like let five friends know I'm okay, right? It's like I don't worry about me. I'm really doing well. I'm doing this, this, and this. That's how Sunday Morning Joe started. It's just as an email to five people the 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 day I left my job and said I'm cool. And 
people are like, this is great. This is really great stuff. And um, I started to just continue to evolve the writing of uh, that idea of performing your best, um, overcoming challenge and aligning with purpose. And it started with an email to five friends now read by thousands every week. So they can get they You can subscribe to it for free at Joe That's J O E J A C O B I.com. And I'll put that link in the show notes for everyone listening today too. So you can love uh, easily access it. It's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, great. that's so true. It seems like the best things start off as, you know, casual, uh, things that, you know, like you only send the email to five friends and, uh, has a really amazing content and, and see, where it is today. Um, but it really is an amazing uh, way to take a lot of this uh, advice, inspiration to heart. And I know it's really helped uh, and affected my life in a lot of ways. So I really encourage everyone to check that out. Thank you. Yeah, Thank absolutely. You. Well, I know we don't have too much time left. So I, I always uh, finish by uh, trying to ask our guests uh, one question to close with. Uh, which is, I know you've passed on so much um, inspiration, uh, motivation, and support to so many people throughout your life. Uh, if you could have one takeaway that's really your legacy that everyone you've interacted with um, could uh, could really take to heart and remember and incorporate into their life, uh, what would that be? Well, gosh, there, there's a lot of things. I, I've been, you know, I've been. I've been very fortunate to share these life lessons from the river. I would say that my my favorite kind of my my favorite one to share is we sit here on a next to a what looks to be a fairly gentle moving Chattahoochee River and and by and large it is gentle. But there is a force out in that river that it doesn't know stop. It doesn't know how to stop. It can't call time out. That you and I are not stronger than that river. That when we go and paddle later, it is upon us to align with the force, uh, the stronger force of things around us, as opposed to fight those forces. And I just think kayaking is just the ultimate teacher for that. You know it. You can go out there and you can fight your guts out or you can make a couple of adjustments and kind of have that V8 moment. And say, Why didn't I think of that? To just turn the other direction and say, oh, the river wants to work with me. That force that's much stronger than me, that will always be stronger than me, uh, wants to work with me. And then I think related to that is that, you know, I, here we are in the southeast where Football and basketball are very popular, you know, sports where when things aren't going well, the coaches and the players get to call timeout. They get to make it stop. And I just, you know, if you're really relating sport to life, there's no timeouts. What, you, what happens in kayaking that I love about, you know, ri- just rivers in general is that things inevitably go a little bit off. They always do. It's not designed to go perfectly. So it forces you to shift from plan A to plan B and from plan B to C and as many times as you need and to do so seamlessly and to just keep adjusting. And it it forces you to be present in the moment. You can't be dwelling on mistakes that happen upstream. And that's the way that you make those changes because the river doesn't allow you to call time out. You've just got to keep uh, shifting and transitioning, and that's the thing. We're always in transitioning. Oh, that is—that's really where 
you know, the fundamentals of this river current. And then there's a ton of things that we can do to kind of navigate well. And that's, you know, I love to get into that in, in my programs and my coaching. And um, I'm happy to do it in a boardroom, but I know that I'm doing my job well when we are out on the water. And I'm just pointing out to our audience right now, there is a Nana Hill Outdoor Center raft is just passing right right by they're us. Waving at us right now they're, 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 they're waving at us and it's just what a great sight just to see people out here whether they know it or not as they t- turn towards a very moderate class one class two rapid on the chattahoochee they are going to experience in just a moment here everything that i just talked about for themselves and that to me, that's why I say that the, the river is the best life coach. And we, and that's what we see here on every, not just Chattahoochee, but any rivers around the Southeast. It really is. Uh, I've, I've got to find a way to kayak after them and tag them in the show notes. I'm sure they would appreciate it. But uh, it really is such uh, an amazing sport that has so many parallels to life. And it's really shown me that no matter how good you get at something um, or how many times you do it, uh, there's always more you can learn. Uh, and you should always have a respect for the river and uh, for the things that uh, affect your life in, in ways that we uh, we can't see ahead of time. Um, and it's really taught me so many amazing life lessons. So thanks so much for being on the show today and sharing all this with our amazing audience. I know they've, I'm sure they've appreciated it as much as I have. So I really appreciate you coming out today, Joe. Well, that's great. My only request is that, being that we're early on, that we'll do a part two. Uh, I, you know, after we uh, we we build this thing up, so you got to have me back for a part two. Oh, absolutely! I would love to have you back on the show after I uh, get all my rustiness out from my interviewing skills. Oh, this has been great. This, <laughs> yeah, this, has, been a, a this practice, has been a great uh, conversation for me as so well. Thank so. you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for being on the show, and uh, everyone, stay tuned for season two when we have Joe back again. Thank you. It's great. It's been great, Marshall. Absolutely. Thanks, Joe. This podcast is brought to you by Vestigo, a peer-to-peer adventure sharing platform that lets people experience the best an area has to offer by connecting with the local professionals that both have the gear and the knowledge to facilitate incredible and unique outdoor experiences. People have even called it an Airbnb for outdoor guides. Recently, we talked to Tyler, a fan of Vestigo who has gone on four trips so far. Let's see here. So I guess the most memorable so far is uh, Mount Yona. It's my favorite spot. I've gone there with Vestigo and then actually I've gone there by myself a couple times afterwards because I loved it. Most memorable because I went rappelling off the side of a mountain for the first time. Do you think you would have gone rappelling if you were not on a Vestigo trip? I do not. No. Uh, Maybe someday in the future. Uh, Of course, just like anything else, you'd be like, yeah, I can get around to that. Vestigo allowed it to be like, let's do it. You want to do it? Here's when, here's where, you know, let's go. What would you say to someone that is on the fence about going on a trip? Go. Just go now. It's, uh, it's, you, you just can't beat it. You can't do it yourself. It's not like they're providing someone the motivation to do something that they could do themselves, but maybe don't. I mean, and, and, and they can, but it's just, there's nothing matched going in a group. I mean, if you want to go on vacation somewhere, whether you want to do some activity, like having the group of people makes it just makes it. And, uh, so, so going to do something for the first time with 10 to 15 other people who might also be doing it for the first time that maybe I know them, maybe I don't, we can kind of share our, you know, nerves or experiences or how awesome it was afterwards. Um, and then just going with someone that knowledgeable, um, you know, it's, it just all around, 
I enjoyed it so much that I've gone back three times since. Vestigo, an adventure sharing platform that provides people the knowledge, confidence, and safety to repel off a cliff for the first time. To learn more about Vestigo, visit their website at vestigo.co, V-E-S-T-I-G-O dot C-O. When you sign up for your trip, use the promo code podcast and receive 10% off your first trip. Vestigo, find an adventure, book a trip, go.